Hello, Twin Soul. Welcome back to another episode of Sunday Snippets. Currently lying in bed, hanging out, and I'm reviewing my notes over reincarnation. And I wanted to come on here and continue the series of the Sunday Snippets and to really undo the religious wiring and programming that hell and heaven are these literal places that our non-literal soul will go. I mean, just think about the damage that does to the paradigm or the consciousness here on earth if we think that there's something better out there. If we think that something is better out there, if we think heaven is so great, then we make a, a hell out of the present moment. Like, really think about that. If you if we tell people, yeah, heaven is this amazing place, there's going to be mansions, there's going to be houses, by the way, the houses that God talks about, that Jesus talks about, when he says, my father has many houses, those are zodiacs houses. Those are the houses that the signs, the 12 houses of the zodiac. You see, if we think that these are literal places, we make a hell out of here. But what's ironic is, whenever there's a hell in here, in this present world, this physical realm, we try to pray to God, 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 please save us from this. Please, please free me of cancer. Please free me of poverty. Please, please free me of illness, especially with illness, right? Think about it. If, if we say heaven is such a great place and then someone gets sick, we act and spend every single dollar on trying to make them better. What? Does that make sense? It's counterintuitive. You just said heaven is such a great place to go and then someone gets sick and now you don't want them to die. But your instinct doesn't lie to you. Your instinct says survival. Your instincts, your instinct says here, right here, right now. And so when I say the Bible never happened, I mean it happens every day in your head. Heaven and hell are states of mind. Okay? States of the mind. And so we're going to review through scripture. We're not going to use other texts, even though we could, but we're going to use scripture and these verses that people just overlook. It's not because they're purposely ignoring it. It's because they do not have eyes that can see nor ears that can hear as Jesus says, or as Jesus says in the passages that we'll go over, they cannot receive it. Okay. Realize before we get into this, that in the West, we are literally the only people on the planet that do not believe in reincarnation. Literally only ones. And if you fall deep into silent meditation, when you enter the sacred space of your soul, you will realize very quickly that you cannot die. Okay. So that being said, we will go over some things about reincarnation. Okay, so reviewing my notes. Mm -hmm. Realize also that the only thing religion has on their side is fear. Oh, if you don't believe in this, you're going to go to hell. So what keeps this structure maintained is fear. And what do we know about truth? Truth moves towards love and moves away from fear. This is why the twin flame journey exists, because something tells you, hey, I should move toward this connection. Because if I step away, that feels like I'm just scared of being vulnerable. It just feels like I'm being scared of giving into something that I might not give back. But what moves you forward is love. So truth is always founded in love. Okay. Now, uh, 
something about reincarnation is uh, this belief that our so with reincarnation, some evidence of it can be founded in just the livelihoods that people have here on Earth. So if you look at Mozart, someone who mastered the piano at five years old and toured Europe playing concerts at the age of six, how the hell do you make sense of that? How? Like, what were you doing at five years old? This person, Sir William Hamilton, you can look this up. I'm just reading my notes that I took from the internet. Sir William Hamilton learned Hebrew at age three. I couldn't speak English at age three. At age three. Apparently, I still can't. (laughs) And at age 13, he could speak 13 languages fluently. How does that make sense? Plato said this, and this is Plato, okay? This is not some yogi from the East. This is Plato, a well-known, renowned Greek philosopher. He says, and I quote, knowledge easily acquired is that which the enduring self had at an earlier life, so it flows back easily. This is Plato. I'm going to repeat this. Knowledge easily acquired is that which the enduring self had in earlier life, so it flows back easily. So you might be asking, well, if reincarnation happens, why don't I remember? Well, you had 30 dreams last night when you went to sleep. How many of those did you remember? Okay. It's not just because you don't remember it doesn't mean it never happened. If you fall into what I call that the sacred space of soul solitude, of meditation, Memories will come up. You can do past life regressions. You see it on TV. You see kids who say, oh, yeah, I was, you know, you've seen that one one kid who said that uh, she was or he was Princess Diana in the, in the past life. And he knew everything about her history at, at a very young age, right? And he makes sense of this. How do you also make sense of the different personalities in your family between siblings? The soul signature is so different between you and your siblings, and it speaks to the individuality that isn't encoded by genetics, right? It's also shown that uh, they never genetically proved chemical addictions. So there's some inclinations that we have based off of our soul blueprint, not so much our family history and our genetic code. Okay, so there are things that we are just simply inclined to based off of our past lives. Now, I'm going to show you what the scripture says, as this is a Sunday snippet, and it's Sunday morning. Okay, and so you just be the judge. I'll just walk you through the evidence, and you decide for yourself. Okay, now realize in Jesus' time, reincarnation was a commonly held belief. Jesus came down against the law the traditions, the church, the government, but he never questioned reincarnation, okay? Matthew chapter 11, verses 13 to 14. Yeah, this is where uh, people are asking, who the heck is this John the Baptist person who eats flies and, and honey and locusts and wears just really tattered clothing? People are trying to figure out who he is, okay? Um Jesus answers who this person is, and he says in verse 14, Matthew chapter 11, verse 14, you can cross-check me, okay? You can fact-check me. He says, and if you will receive it, meaning if you have the ears for this, if you can unplug from the religious doctrines, you can receive this. 
and if you will receive it, this is Elijah, which was for to come. He says right here, if you can receive it, this is Elijah. And they know who Elijah is. They studied the Old Testament. They studied past prophets, right? And he said, if you can receive this, this is Elijah. Now you might say, okay, well, he's saying this is the spirit of Elijah or he, this is, he, he's simply fulfilling the prophecy or the, the mission of Elijah. Okay. Okay. Cool. We'll go over a different one. Matthew chapter 17, verse 12, uh, verse 11 and 12. Jesus says, Elijah or Elias, um, Elijah truly shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already and they knew him not. He said, Elijah truly shall first come, truly shall first come, meaning he already came first. But then in the next verse, he says, but I say unto you that Elias, but Elijah is come already. I mean, yeah, he came before, but he's come already. He's come again. And they knew him not, but have done whatsoever to him that they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. What he's saying is the Son of Man, which is you, you listening to this podcast, people will suffer you. People will cause you problems not realizing that the Christ is in you. And that's the point of the gospel, that Christ incarnates as all of us as we meditate and we fall into that sacred space and we become perfect, meaning we rise above the level of thought. We go from the left side of the brain of the intellect and move towards the right side where there's emotion and spirituality and intuition, right? And in verse 13, it says, Then the disciples understood that he spoke unto them of John the Baptist. He said, Elijah is here. In the next verse, it says, the, the disciples understood that he spoke of them, unto them of John the Baptist. Just like the Christ is in you, and no one in the church recognizes it. Just like John the Baptist was Elijah, but no one in the New Testament could recognize it but Jesus. Okay. Matthew chapter 14, one of the kings, King Herod, uh, heard of Jesus and he said, this is John the Baptist. He's risen from the dead. You know, it, it, it says right here, the king says, he, he looks at Jesus he's trying to figure out who he is. And by this time, John the Baptist was beheaded and he believed Jesus to be a reincarnated form of John the Baptist. So these are just examples in the Bible that point to certain characters believing and holding the doctrine of reincarnation. Okay. So then we also have Matthew chapter 16, verse uh, 13 to 15. And so Jesus, it says here, uh, he comes across his disciples and he asks, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist some Elijah, some others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said unto them, but who do you say that I am? So people, he asked, who do you say, who do these people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some people say that you're Jeremiah 
or some other prophet. See, they're saying, they're listing people that have already lived. What are they getting at? They're getting at that Jesus is an incarnated virgin or a reincarnated version of some person who lived before. They're speaking of reincarnation here, right? And so the beauty of understanding reincarnation is understanding that Christ reincarnates as you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, this is the heart of the gospel, okay? It's not that some person died on the cross. We don't celebrate death. How twisted is that? You're celebrating someone being nailed to the cross. No, you're celebrating the death of your ego and Christ being born in you. This is so exciting. See, when you understand the Bible literally, it takes away from the symbolic meaning that happens in your consciousness. And a thing is, we it makes you realize that, wow, I am God. Just as in, and we'll go over this in the Old Testament, when God speaks to Moses and he identifies himself as I am. People have such a hard time believing that they are God. That they're just a piece of God. You know, because there's so much religious programming saying that, no, you're a sinner. You're, you're evil at birth. You really believe that child, a baby, in its most natural and pure form and innocent form, is going to suffer in hell? Is that really justice? Is that really love? You know, any Christian, you can ask any Christian this. Look at a child. Just look at a newborn baby. Is our main intention or instinct to have it suffer or to have it live? To give it joy or to give it punishment? No, it's to give it joy. There's so much excitement and happiness. Why would we celebrate the life of a born sinner? We wouldn't. But because there's so much purity and light in a child, this is the this is my main issue with Christians. Because I don't have a child, but I have a niece that I'm very attached to. She's probably my best friend in a previous life. I love her. I look at her and I see evidence of God. Any Christian who tells me she's going to hell, I, I, I can't believe it. And here's another thing, okay. You can ask any Christian this. When does heaven begin? Oh, they say, well, after death. Okay, well, um, how long are we in heaven for? They'll say, oh, eternity. Okay, so when does eternity begin? Well, after death. Well, that doesn't make sense. Eternity can't begin. There's no beginning of eternity. That's the meaning of eternity. Completely <laughs> making a logical fallacy by saying eternity has a beginning. Eternity has a, has, has a starting point. It doesn't. It's eternity. It's infinity. Infinity. It's a continuous loop. Okay. Now, this is my favorite uh, scriptural evidence supporting reincarnation as well as karma. Again, two words that are just taboo in mainstream theolo uh, theological spaces. Okay, John chapter 2, verse 2. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? His disciples asked him, 
saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Why did they ask him if this man sinned, if he was blind from birth? How can you sin if you're blind from birth? They're talking about past life sin. They're talking about karma. They're asking Jesus, is this a karmic situation that needs to be wrestled with and cleared and broken? Are there karmic ties here from a past life that need to be resolved? Are there soul contracts, karmic soul contracts from a previous life that need to be resolved and processed and integrated? Or was this from his parents? And Jesus says, neither hath this man sinned nor his parents. Okay, so this is not a karmic situation. And what he does is he spits on the ground and he rubs, he, and then he rubs the dirt and the spit in his fingers and he puts it over the man's eyes. Now, people will be like, oh yeah, Jesus was making clay or something. You see, people don't understand what this means. A spit is synonymous with contempt. It's a form of contempt. It's an act of disagreement and frustration. Spinning on the ground, the earth, the mind, okay? Earth it is resemb- resembles the, the carnal mind. When it talks about earthquakes in the Bible, it doesn't mean actual earthquake. It means a breaking down of the carnal mind, that left side of your brain that just wants to survive. This is the process of ascension, going from the left side to the right side, from going from primitive thinking to divine thinking. So he spits on the ground. He says, this is why you're blind. It's your carnal mind. It's your insecurities and your fears. Okay? So this is just a little um, portion that I wanted to share with you just to help unplug any religious doctrine because any religious doctrine is a lower vibration because it does stem from fear. Okay? Just think about what it's done to women and their sexuality and men and their sexuality. Because we think the Bible says circumcise so you can go to heaven. The very first thing a man does in this lifetime is he gets circumcised. Now think about what that does to a person. What do you think that does to a man and his relationship with his own body, his relationship with his sexuality? If the very first experience he has with his male parts is pain torture and shame right we're literally telling men hey this part of you is shameful this part of you is disgusting this part of you needs repair we went through so many wars we've killed so many sacrificed so many animals suppressed women because we've misinterpreted the bible we missed out on the beautiful truth on the other side of it, that, hey, we're here many lifetimes. And because we existed here before, we can break the karmic ties. We don't have to keep living the karmic cycle. And we can rise above the level of thought through meditation. On Patreon, I'm going to do an extended version of this and what it means for the Twin Flame journey how reincarnation affects the Twin Flame journey. So if you're not already on Patreon, uh, the link to the Patreon is patreon.com slash forward slash all things Twin Flames. For those listening, I thank you for your support. I wish you all the best. Bye.